Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Rochelle, and this is the Bay Area Podcast here on the Bleed Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Citra Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. You can find me personally at Rochelle Radio on Twitter. On this week's show, we'll be talking about some NFL football as the San Francisco 49ers have a matchup over the next few days. Before we do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the football field once again. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more props, odds, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football-related. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Betting Barrier Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, before we went on break, we previewed what we're doing for this week's show. Once again, talking about the 49ers and their upcoming matchup with the Seahawks here for Week 13. But before we do that, we're going to quickly recap how we did last week, and we ended up splitting. We won on the side. We liked the Niners as the favorites, around minus three, and they ended up winning that game by eight. But we also liked the under, and that did not really stand much of a chance as both teams moved the ball pretty well. You also had a kickoff return for a touchdown, but the 49ers scored 34 points. It's pretty tough to cash an under when you get a kick return touchdown mixed with really just a huge amount of points in the third quarter. 32 points to be exact in that one frame. And that ended up killing the under, but ended up splitting and look for a sweep here in week 13. But looking at the Niners game that we just briefly mentioned, you had a nice win by the Niners. And now they have won three in a row as the Niners are back over 500 with a six and five record. Seems like the team is completely clicking, which is definitely a welcome sight because it looked a little bit ugly early on. But now they are on pace to have a pretty solid end to the season. If you go through the actual remaining games on the schedule, you play Seattle, play Cincinnati. Those games might be tough. Play the Falcons at home, which should be a, I don't want to say a free win, but definitely a nice spot there. You play the Titans on the road. Titans have been struggling with all the injuries. Then you play the Texans at home and then the Rams on the road to finish the year, which means that with the Falcons and the Texans both at home, you're assuming you can pencil those in as wins, which gives the Niners eight. And if you're looking at beating the Seahawks either this week or even upsetting a team like the Rams, beating them again, or beating the Bengals, etc., there's a good chance the Niners might win nine or ten games. And if that's the case, you can pretty much just pencil them in for a playoff spot. But either way, to go through the Week 12 game against Minnesota, they played really well. Uh, 34-26, I mentioned before. Offensively, 423 total yards of offense, which was extremely impressive. As for the defense, it was okay. Kirk Cousins, we know, has had a good season. Only at 238 passing yards. The ground game for Minnesota did virtually nothing. Dalvin Cook got injured, but he had 10 carries for 39 yards. Then you had Alexander Madison, who had a rushing touchdown, 
but he only had 21 yards rushing. Minnesota only had 3.7 yards per carry. So the run defense was good. The pass defense was okay. Uh, Cousins only had a QBR of 32.8. He had two touchdowns, but he also had one pick, and he was sacked once. As for San Francisco's offense, we had Garoppolo, who had a really awful interception on the first drive, but after that, he kind of settled down. Similar to the way that I described the script being for the Niners moving forward, a lot of handoffs and not much of Jimmy G throwing. And Jimmy G went 17 of 26 for 230 yards, got sacked twice, had a QBR of 52.4. The ground game, though, was definitely the story as the Niners had three rushing touchdowns, two by wide receiver Debo Samuel. I'll get into his status for this game in a minute. But Elijah Mitchell returned from injury, and he was fantastic. 27 carries, 133 yards, and one touchdown. So it seems like the Niners might have hit a home run here uh, with the rookie they drafted extremely late in this past draft because Mitchell, first you thought it might be a flash in the pan because of all the injuries, etc., but he's proven time and time again, when healthy, this guy is definitely capable of of being the main running back on a team. When Moster potentially comes back next year, you can open up a discussion on who's going to handle the bulk or how that's going to work out. But as for now, Mitchell's definitely the guy who should be getting most of the touches moving forward. Now, as for Samuel, he is going to be out for this game, potentially the week after too, as he got injured in the second half of that game against Minnesota, which was unfortunate because we know how good Debo Samuel has been so far this season, both as a pass catcher and even as a running back for the last couple of weeks. But I do think his presence will be missed. Luckily, though, Brandon Ayuk did perform pretty well last week. 91 yards on three catches. Uh, besides that, Kittle did nothing. He had one catch for 13 yards. But Minnesota, very solid linebacking core, been solid against tight ends all season long. And Elijah Mitchell as well had five receptions for 35 yards. So for all purpose, Elijah Mitchell was great. And they're probably going to rely on him more in this game, since San Francisco's receiving core is banged up with the absence of Debo Samuel. But to switch gears and talk about the Seattle Seahawks, they had a very close but very hideous loss to Washington on Monday Night Football. Now, Washington might be a mediocre team. They're playing better. But Seattle had a touchdown in the first quarter, then did absolutely nothing for the next basically three and three quarters or three and a half quarters after that. Uh, you're uh, actually two and a half quarters after that, but they did nothing in the second quarter, nothing in the third, nothing for about 13 minutes of the fourth quarter. And then had that touchdown drive by led by Wilson, which culminated in the touchdown pass to Freddie Swain to cut it to two. Then they missed the two point conversion. Then they recovered the onside kick Turned out to be illegal procedure or formation. Had to redo it, and Washington recovered the second onside kick. So Seattle is now 3-8. and eight. Season's over. Not really much else to say there. Wilson, since coming back from injury, has been atrocious. Now his numbers in the end were not bad against Washington. He had 247 passing yards, two touchdowns, 24-31. However, when your last drive consists of a 96-yard touchdown drive and about the final two minutes of the game. That means before those 90-something passing yards, Wilson had about 150 on the game. That's atrocious. Uh, he, yeah, he's been terrible. Now, you can talk about the fact that Wilson came back early and how you can respect him for doing so, which is fair. The issue is with the finger, you can clearly tell that he came back too early and that Seattle doesn't really have a choice. They're not going to bench him for Geno Smith. But now you have to start wondering with Seattle being 3-8, and eight, how many more losses are it going to take for you to potentially start benching Russell Wilson? 
And I think Pete Carroll's going to be gone after the year no matter what. I don't think that's really a hot take. I don't think he's a very good coach, if I'm being honest with you. I think he's extremely overrated. But the point is, is that Seattle had an issue with Wilson during the offseason, ended up getting resolved. Wilson showed up, and it seems like there's growing division between Wilson and the coaching staff. And I do think that Pete Carroll will end up being the one negatively impacted uh, by the end of the year, because I'm assuming he will be without a job. So... Other than that, though, Seattle continues to free fall. Uh, Niners continue to rise and to go through the actual Seattle game. I already mentioned Wilson's numbers. The ground game was completely non-existent. 12 carries for 34 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. Wilson had 16 of those yards. So the two running backs, Alex Collins and DJ Dallas, combined for 10 carries and 18 total yards. So the ground game's broken. Wilson can't really throw the ball that well. The defense was okay. I'll give the defense props there holding Washington to just 17 points. It's a little tricky, though, when Washington doesn't really have a kicker for the entire second half because Joey Sly got injured on the blocked extra point return for Seattle, which led to two points. But the point is is that Washington had a touchdown at the end to uh, Thomas, and then, unfortunately, that was overruled. So Washington finished with 17 points instead of 24. So you can make an argument that Seattle really should have given up 20 points because of the fact that they couldn't kick a field goal from the three-yard line because they didn't have a kicker. But either way, Seattle has struggled. And the receiving core, D, uh, DK Metcalf did nothing. One catch, 13 yards. Tyler Lockett, three catches for 96 yards. Gerald Everett looked pretty good, though. Five receptions for 37 yards and a touchdown. Freddie Swain, the one catch, was the 32-yard touchdown with about 20 seconds left. But Seattle really just... Not cutting it on both sides of the ball. And to make matters worse, they don't even have their first-round draft pick. It belongs to the Jets from the Jamal Adams trade. Now, Adams had an interception in the game. It was tipped up. It was right into his lap, and he ended up making the catch. And as for the actual pass rushing, you had Darrell Taylor, who had the only sack for Seattle. But the defense has been inconsistent. We saw Colt McCoy torch this team through the air a couple weeks ago. Then it actually looked decently against Heineke and company. Uh, they struggled against the run. But either way, Seattle has now lost six of the last seven. They've lost three in a row. The one win in between being against Jacksonville, which doesn't really count because Jacksonville is just a terrible team. But Seattle's clearly in last place. Three games behind the 49ers. And yeah, the season's over. So I guess the question is, is Seattle still going to try to put their best foot forward? Or does the team fold knowing their coach will soon be fired, and knowing that the season's basically over. Remains to be seen, because they ended up fighting hard against Washington, but I don't think they'll be as, I'll just say, close on the scoreboard in this one. It's really tough to like anything about Seattle. I know that they beat the Niners earlier this year because of the fact that Wilson really didn't even do much in that game, but it was the fact that Garoppolo was awful. He had a QBR of 25.6, got injured, they subbed in Trey Lance, who had two touchdowns in garbage time. But still... The question is, is Garoppolo going to be terrible? Because we know Seattle offensively has been a train wreck. We know the defense has a hard time against the run or even against the pass in some situations. Plus, in that loss to Seattle, you had no Elijah Mitchell, and that definitely hurt. But I do think that the Niners should look a lot sharper the second time around against this team. Seattle, I still, as I have mentioned for the last minute or two, I don't like anything about this team. There's really nothing to like. Russell Wilson's very good when healthy. Is he healthy? No. I get that he came back. He's playing probably at 50% health, if that. And I do think they're going to struggle as a result. So looking at the Niners, I think that they should 
continue their winning ways, and I do think that they will win this game rather handily. Seattle might fall behind early and roll over. They might come back and try to make it close. I don't see the latter happening. I think if the Niners jump up early, let's just say 14-0, maybe three minutes into the second quarter, I think it's a wrap. And I know that that sounds kind of insane because Wilson has had so many comebacks in his career, and Seattle still is a bunch of professionals. They might still try to fight till the bitter end. I just don't see it. This team doesn't have the same fire that it had previously uh, in, well, previous years when they made the playoffs last year, for example. But Wilson's not himself, and without him saving the team as he always has, the rest of the supporting cast, as the case has been for several years, not very good. That's why I'm usually low on Seattle, because if Wilson is not able to turn into Superman pretty much every fourth quarter of every game, you'd notice Seattle's supporting cast is extremely underwhelming, and that has been the case this year. So the Niners, I do think being without Debo is going to hurt, but Kittle's still very good, the ground game's great, I expect... To see a lot of Elijah Mitchell, probably 25 carries, maybe for 120-something yards. But Antonio Gibson kind of ran free. Uh, you had, D you had uh, McKissick, who had a couple of touchdowns before he got injured in that game. So Seattle struggled to contain running backs last week, and I do think that'll be the story once again in Week 13. But looking at the actual spread and the total for this one, the Niners are three-point favorites, and the total is around 45-and-a-half. And for me, I mentioned it before, I like the Niners. I think they'll win this game handily. I think they'll win by 10. I think it might be 17, but I do think that Seattle will score a garbage time touchdown late to make it a little bit closer. But San Francisco is still in the thick of the playoff race. They've clicked on all cylinders for the last few weeks, and if they limit Garoppolo and force, let's just say, Seattle's defense to just only focus in on the run, which might set up some play-action opportunities, I do think Garoppolo is going to need to take a less-is-more approach, as he has in recent weeks. Let the ground game do their thing. Make some throws when you need to. But if the Niners become dependent on Garoppolo, they might have some problems. But for the total in this one, 45.5 sounds a bit low. But i got to like the under. Because Seattle's offense, I've mentioned, is not working. The defense has been okay at times. But without Debo Samuel, I do think the Niners will struggle a bit more offensively than they have in the last couple of weeks. I think they'll be able to overcome it to win the game. But I do think 45.5 is a little bit too high. I think Seattle will probably score, I'd say, 17 in this game. If that, they only scored 15 against Washington. And I do think that San Francisco's defense should look better than it did against Minnesota. Uh, yeah, the kick return touchdown I mentioned before, which was a free seven points added. But I do think that the Seahawks should top out at 17 might finish with 16 or 14, whatever. But I do think the Niners will do enough in order to score 24 points in this game. So if you want an actual score prediction, I'm taking the Niners to win this game by the score of 27-17, which means I like the Niners minus three and the under. Other than that, though, that has been this installment of the Betting Barrier Podcast here for Thursday, December 2nd. Good luck to all of you and your respective best today. Bye, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.